Well, I do have a message that I believe the Lord has given me for you tonight. It's entitled, Untangling Repentance. So when Pastor David asked me to come and minister to you, he just said, you know, whatever the Lord gives you. And as we started talking, um, he's, you know, we started talking about the gospel of grace and the, and the word of repentance. And, and as we were talking, he said, I feel that's something that I would like for you to share. So that's where I'm going with this tonight. And I just believe God will put a blessing upon his word. Father God, we thank you for the breaking open of your bread of life today. Father God, we ask that you feed your people manna from heaven. Father God, we don't come to you because we're lacking, Father God, but we're coming to you because it's dinner time and that you promised to feed us in abundance, Lord God. We thank you for giving us the things that we need for this week and for this month and for this year. Thank you for the blessing of this new year, Father God. And we ask that you cause your word to take root in our heart and bear much fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold in Jesus' name. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to show us Jesus today because if we see Jesus, we'll never be the same. And we commit this time to you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Luke 24, 36. And this is after the resurrection of Jesus and he's commissioning his disciples. Um, and starting in verse 36, it says, now as they, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace be to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen the spirit. So this is after the resurrection and, um, <laughs> They, it was hard to believe what was going on. But he spoke peace to them and he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do you, why do dark doubts arise in your heart? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me, see me, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for the joy and they marveled, he said to them, have you any food? I love it. <laughs> it's Jesus. Feed me. So he said, so they gave him a piece of broiled fish and honeycomb, and he took it and ate it in their present. And he said to them, these are the words which I have spoken, which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all the things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. So he, spoke to them about everything in the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. And he is the core of everything. You have to read everything through the lens of our Lord Jesus Christ in order to receive the fullness. He said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remissions of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem and you are witnesses of, the, of these things. Behold, I send my promise of my Father to, upon you, but tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with the power on a, from on high. Matthew 4.17 says, From that time Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So when Jesus started his ministry, his message was repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When he commissioned his disciples, he told them to preach repentance and remission of sins. Now, unfortunately, when we hear the word repentance, we kind of will recoil at it. When we hear repentance, there's usually a knee-jerk um, um, 
No, not that. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. That's not good news. We we kind of think that repentance is something to pull back from, and a lot of it has to do with our um, some confusion and some tangling up of other concepts and ideas that got tied into repentance that was never designed to be there. And so we think of angry preachers on street corners telling people, repent. And and there's no fruit to their ministry most of the time. They're just out there, and they're not performing the ministry of the Lord. Um, there's an idea of recounting all your sins. When you repent, you say all your sins, everything that you've done wrong. That's not in the design of repentance according to the New Testament, but that's tangled in there as well. Um, you're supposed to feel sad. You're supposed to be feel sorry. You're supposed to feel regret. Um, and you need to qualify yourself to for forgiveness. These are nothing that has to do with New Testament repentance, but it's all tangled up in there. So what we're going to do tonight is try to untangle some of these things. Why do we have these ideas and concepts um, all mangled up with the beautiful gift of repentance that God has provided for us? Um, in reality, New Covenant repentance has nothing to do with recounting your sin to God. It has nothing to do with an emotion of repent of regret or remorse. It has nothing to do with having to perform something to qualify for forgiveness. Repentance um, comes from a revelation of Jesus Christ. As we see him, repentance is given to us. It's a moment of change that is given to us, and it goes hand in hand with receiving the word by faith. It is a gift from God. And so um, I'm just going to set this with my leg. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, So some of the old concepts, it came from, because even if you look at Webster D- Dictionary, it talks about remorse and and feeling sorry for your sin. Um, part of it has to do is because we don't understand that there is an old covenant and a new covenant. We are in a new covenant that has nothing to do with the old covenant. The old covenant was repentance, was turn from your wickedness, be sorrowful, sackcloth and ashes. Um, prophet, prophets would remind the Israelites of their sin, tell them that you haven't been obeying God the way that you should, and so you need to feel bad about it, come back to God. Um, so that was <laughs> that's something that got ingrained in the Israelites. And then there's also what happened after the New Covenant, after the book of Acts, we get into the first century when the church started to become more corporate and organized. Then there were mindsets in that time that were saying we can't make, um, we can't make forgiveness that sends us free as what, what it was. We need to kind of control it a little bit more. They uh, created a, a doctrine that said that, uh, only the sins prior to baptism were forgiven. And so people would wait until as close to the, <laughs> to the end of their life to be baptized. And so that wasn't working. So then they said, well, you can have your sins forgiven if you do this sacrament of penance. You can have the sacrament of penance. And so what happens is they, instead of acknowledging that all the sin has already been dealt with in the cross of Jesus, all sin has already been covered. Hebrews 10, uh, verses 11 through 13 says, Every priest stands daily to minister his service. This is 
the Old Testament priest. This is in the book of Hebrews. It says, every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. This was the Old Covenant. But Christ, that's <laughs> but Christ, when he had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until the enemies are made his footstool. And First Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore all of our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, and by his wounds you are healed. So all sin has already been dealt with. But first and second um, century church, they started n- not talking about the fact that our sins were taken care of already. They were hiding that truth from the people. And so they created this doctrine of, of penance that you have to qualify for receiving forgiveness. Um, penance is defined as a, a voluntary self-punishment in order to qualify to have your sins absolved. And it led to a complicated system. They had categorized sins. This is a bigger sin than this sin. And how many sins are you allowed to be forgiven of? And and so it just got all tangled in. And it was about a thousand years that people had this mindset. It wasn't until the Reformation came that that Martin Luther got the revelation that the just shall live by faith. And but before that time, this is ingrained in in centuries and centuries of people that weighed them down in their sin consciousness. And um, but this was never the way God designed it to be. I'm sorry, I've got to skip past a couple of things. The idea and the definition of repentance. This is the other thing. When they translated the Bible from the Greek language into Latin, the word metanoia, which is the word that's most um, often translated repentance. It was um, converted from repentance into Latin instead of the cha- mindset change. It was the verb for do penance. So the the definition was changed to do penance. Do this self-punishment in order to gain. So when you say repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, the mindset of the people who read that is do penance because the kingdom of God is at hand. And so this this beautiful idea of a transformed mind that comes from believing in Jesus Christ got stolen from the people of God by this idea of doing penance over and over again and wearing your sins and bringing them up before God when God says, I've kept no record of your sin. Your sins are forgiven. They're separated from you as far as the east is from the west. And then they said, but accept, <laughs> but accept you still have to, and you would have to, um, they're putting pressure on, on people and weighing them down in this burden of sin. Um, it's, it, you get dependent on your self-will, um, because you have to be strong-willed enough to be able to resist sin yourself. Um, and you think your sin is an issue to God anymore, and it's not. If we consider the love and the grace of God, that it was his loving kindness and his mercy that drew us to him, we can't imagine any requirement that would have us to bear our sins in our own body through penance and repentance. Because he has already borne our sin, but penance and repentance has you to put that inside it. carry it in your own heart and in your own body. And that's never what God had designed. If you look at um, the idea, that kind of repentance, then what Judas did after he betrayed the Lord, 
that would have been considered qualified repentance, right? Because it, um, Matthew 27, it says that the morning has come and the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him and led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate to the governor, then Judas, who had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, he repented himself. And he brought it again, the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders saying, I have sinned. I have betrayed the innocent blood. He, and they said, what does that have to do with us? Um, and he cast the, cast the money down and then he went and hanged himself. And if you look at his regret and his remorse and his restitution for what he had done, he was trying to pay back for his sin, but it wasn't enough to satisfy his soul. He could not find peace with God with that. And neither can anybody else. That kind of regret and repentance can never bring peace with God. The old covenant repentance, it comes from an idea of carrying the sin and sin consciousness. Then the word that is translated repent in the old covenant was really speaks more of a returning and a comfort. Um, Hosea 6, 1 and 2 says, come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us, but he would heal us. He has stricken us, but he will bind us up. And after two days, he will revive us. And on the third day, he will raise up, uh, raise us up that we may live in his sight. Now, if you read that from an, from a new covenant point of view, this is already completed in Christ Jesus. He has already raised us up. He has already revived us and we can live with him forever. And so now in their new covenant, we have a gift of repentance. The word metanoia means mind change. It means that um, it's a complete transition. So if you look at the uh, when Jesus started his ministry and he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he, it would be more um, correctly said. It says, change your heart and mind and believe the good news. That is the message that Jesus brought us, is to change your heart, change your mind, be willing to let me change your heart and your mind, and you're transformed when you receive that word of Christ. Um, there's uh, Matthew 13 uh, has an idea, because the radical mindset, it, repentance is really more of what we think of as the word conversion. When we hear the word, when we hear the word, we receive it, and we're changed from the inside out. That is conversion. In Matthew 13, um, he's speaking of these people that are stubborn and they're not willing to hear the word. Um, if you look at verse 15, it says, Lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and be converted, and I heal them. So that is the process of... Um, that is the process of um, of conversion and repentance, is that you see with your eyes, you hear with your ears, you understand with your heart, and you are changed forever. Um, old covenant repentance, it's temporary because he had to do the same sacrifice year after year, and they could not in any way take away sin. But Jesus took it away forever, and he dealt with it forever. So we need to change the way that we think. Bill Johnson said God is better than we think, so we need to change the way we think. So we need to believe what he has said about us. Um, when I think of a mindset, uh, an example that came to me when I was studying was, I don't know if you've heard the testimony from the Copelands where they talked about um, believing God for healing. And they said they used to pray, you know, they were thinking of themselves as sick people and begging God to heal them. 
but then they once they receive the word of healing and they receive the truth about healing, they realize that I'm healed and the devil's trying to make me sick. And that shift of perspective is what what radically changed them. And they were you couldn't you can't convince them any way otherwise that healing belongs to them, that they are the healed of the Lord. And so that's how repentance makes a it has a permanent impact on our soul. Um, it says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, means stop thinking that the kingdom is far away from you because it's close enough to touch. It's right at hand. It's to stop t- thinking because at that time they were thinking that, that the, when the Messiah would come and kingdom would come, it would be a military takeover. And he said, no, the kingdom is right here. The kingdom is within you. And it's, and it's, it's a higher, um, authority than anything that you can see here in this world. So um, repentance is really a fruit of revelation. So it says when lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and be converted, what is it that they're going to see? What is it they're going to hear? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what what is heard and seen and is make, makes a change on the inside of you. Um, the Bible says in uh, Romans 10, 17, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Um, if you're familiar with the uh, King James, that we're familiar with the hearing comes by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. But the Greek really says the word of Christ. Um, Christ hearing about Jesus, that's why Jesus brought them back to the through the Old Testament. So they showed him himself through the scriptures because that's the only way you can receive faith in the word is through Jesus Christ. Um, and Psalm 107.20, he said he sent his word and healed them and he delivered them from their destruction. So when he sent his word and healed them, they receiving the word with faith is a moment of repentance that results in freedom and healing. So um, there's an example that I heard from somebody. They said the difference between liberation and freedom Liberation is when you're let go, but you still have a mindset of being a captive. Though you think of the children of Israel, when they were let go from Egypt, they still had a mindset of being slaves. They still had a mindset of being, of having to perform, um, for anything that they wanted from God or anybody. And so when God said, I'm going to make you a kingdom of priests, come and be with me. And they said, no, uh, tell us what to do. And because of their mindset of a, that slave mentality and they didn't believe that they were free, um, Joshua and Caleb knew that they were free and they were the ones that were able to inherit the promised land. But that, that mentality that they were not willing to receive the word with faith, they, they missed out on what God had for them. Um, and, but we're free in Jesus. It says for freedom, Christ has set us free. So stand firm therefore and don't submit yourself again to the yoke of slavery and it says that you're no longer a slave but you are a son and if you're a son then you are an heir through god so this is who we are in christ jesus now if you look at um i'm going to go over a little bit about the repentance being a gift from god because in the old covenant it was something that had to be performed you have to show that you were really sorry but in the New Covenant, um, if you look at um, Acts 5, verses 27 through 32, um, when they were talking about, um, I think it was Peter that was speaking here, and he was talking about 
the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll just read it for you. And when they brought him, oh, they were being arrested. This is what happened. And when they brought brought them, he set them before the council. And the high priest questioned him, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in his name, in this name, yet here you are filling Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. So when Peter was preaching, he was saying, Jesus died and you all killed him. So he he said, we told you not to preach in Jesus' name and you did it anyway. But Peter and the apostles answered and said, we must obey God rather than man. And God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed and hanged on the tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. So this is exactly what Jesus told Peter to preach, to preach repentance and forgiveness, the remission of sins. And he did that. And this is, he said, to give to Israel. So Israel now has been given the gift. And it just comes through faith. It just comes through believing that word. And now to the Gentiles, when Peter was called to Cornelius' house, he went and he preached to the Gentiles. Now, when he preached to the Gentiles, um, he had gotten that vision with the sheet coming down, and God said, kill and eat. And they, he, he said, no, no, no. He said, don't call unclean what I've called clean. So he went and preached to Cornelius. And as he was preaching there, um, this is uh, Acts 10, verse 42. He says, and he commanded us to preach to people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to judge the living and the dead. To him, the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And while Peter was still teaching these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because they had received the gift of the Holy Spirit poured out on them, were poured out on the Gentiles. So what happened was when Jesus, when Peter was in the middle of preaching about the, the everyone who believes will receive forgiveness of sins, immediately they all began to speak in tongues. The Holy Spirit fell on all of them. They began to speak in tongues. That was a sign to Peter and to the to the to the Jews there that they have the same Holy Ghost that we do. They it happened to them the same way it happened to us because they didn't understand that that was available to the Gentiles. So they they were excited about it. It was new to them. But but when what happened was when the other Jews came and said, "Why are you eating with the Gentiles? Why are you talking to them?" Peter told the whole story about how God sent him over there and what happened when he was preaching, and then they rejoiced. And their conclusion was, then to the, um, when they heard these things, this is uh, Acts eleven verse eighteen, and when they had heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying. Then to the Gentiles, God has also granted repentance that leads to life. So here was now the Gentiles are receiving the gift of repentance. So in both portions, it's a gift. The fact that they received the Holy Spirit was evidence that they believed, and that was evidence that they received the gift of repentance. So you see how faith and repentance goes hand in hand. When you think of traditional repentance you look at the gentiles that had received there when we think of repentance we think of an altar call and people confessing their sins and everything none of that happened here in acts 10 there's no real foundation for anything like that it was they heard the word with gladness and they received and that they they concluded that 
God gave them repentance as well. God gave them the change of heart the same way he gave us. And it says, repentance happened in the heart of the people when they heard the news and believed the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was the evidence that the repentance had occurred. So repentance is embracing the truth that frees us. It doesn't have anything to do with sin consciousness or, repent, or confession of sins or anything like that. It has to do with believing the word and receiving it. So it says the goodness of God leads men to repentance in, our, in the new covenant. Um, there's no emotion attached to it. It's receiving the word in faith. It doesn't have any sorrow attached to it. It's receiving the word by faith with joy. And it's his goodness that leads us to repentance. If we think of that verse with the old repentance mindset, it would seem like a bait and switch, right? Because it would be like the goodness of God will lead you to be shameful for your sin. You know, and that's kind of abusive parenthood. You know what I mean? Why would, why would anybody do that? I mean, that doesn't, but that is what, if we think that repentance is that hard, heavy handed, um, approach to God, then, then we're thinking God's going to be good to you so he can make you feel bad. And that has nothing to do with the heart of our father. Jesus came to show us the father. And so when we come into a knowledge of who he is, the key of um, receiving the gospel is, is getting the right picture of God in our heart and in our mind. If we think that God is a harsh judge, then we're not going to receive his word with joy because we don't trust him. But Jesus came to show us the Father. He's a good Father. He loves us and he cares for us. And so if we're conditioned to eating off of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we're never going to eat off of the tree of life. And he wants us to have life and have it more abundantly. Um, that's what he promised to us. Um, so let me see. Let me get, let me see where I am. So repentance is essential for the new covenant. Repentance toward God. So there's a certain things that you look in the new covenant. It's, uh, repentance is toward God. It's not from, um, old covenant repentance, you're turning from sin. And there's no power in turning away, um, and avoiding in a life of avoidance. Your power comes from um, going toward having a direction, having a destination. Uh, otherwise, you're just wandering. You're just trying to avoid potholes all your life. And that's now you repent toward God. So you change what you think about God, change the picture of God in your heart and in your mind and toward faith in Jesus Christ. It's repentance toward life instead of death, instead of the law. It's repentance toward life. It's repentance toward the truth. Um, so in Second uh, Timothy uh, 23 through 26, it says, have nothing to do with foolish and ignorant controversies. You, you know that they breed quarrels and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. So, so this is Paul um, speaking to his son, Timothy in the faith, and he's teaching him as a man of God, how to lead the people. And he said, don't stir up quarrels and, um, and just be kind to everyone, be able to teach patiently, enduring with evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth that they may, come 
to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So if you have these people that are quarrelsome and they're in the trap of the enemy, then um, you be gentle with them. You you follow the Holy Spirit with them and um, because perhaps God will grant them repentance and they'll have a change leading to the knowledge of truth. So the knowledge of truth is Jesus because Jesus is truth. He is the revelation. Um, and it also means re- letting go of the traditions that nullify the word of God. It says your your tradition makes the word of God of no, no effect. So if you have these dead works and these traditions that negate what God's word is to you, um, repentance will cause you to turn away from it. Um, there, in Hebrews 6, it talks about repentance from dead works. Uh, he said that, um, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. So repentance from dead works and faith toward God. So dead works are the traditions of the law that are not producing any fruit. Um, uh, they're all our own righteousnesses that are filthy rags before God, the things that we're trying to do to uh, perform for him. Um, and we're repenting of striving to please him with our good works and our good behavior because he said that we're all already acceptable before God. But if you're trying to earn anything, then that's that's righteousnesses that that he really can't accept. He, he said because you're you qualify because of your faith in Jesus. You qualify because you believe in what His Son has done for us. Now, I just want to very quickly. I say very quickly. <laughs> We're going to look really quickly um, at a familiar uh, chapter in Luke 15 um, where Jesus is talking the parable about the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost sons and um this is where the tax collectors and sinners were talking to Jesus and the Pharisees were saying, why does Jesus talk to these sinners? So then he starts telling these stories and he was, he first told the story of, you know, what man having a hundred sheep won't, won't leave the 99 and go get the one. And when he brings them back, he, he will say rejoice. He'll gather people together for a party. He said, rejoice for me. I have found my sheep that was lost. And just so I tell you that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than the, over the 99 righteous who need, who need no repentance. So, and then he goes on to talk about the coin, um, the coin that bears the image. And that's who we are. And so there was a woman who lost, she had 10 silver coins, she lost the one, and she swept out her house with a lamp until she found the one, and when she found it, she gathered and had a party and said, I found the one that was lost, and he said, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner repents. It's the same way. Um, so here it is when you look at it, what did the sheep do to repent? He just allowed himself to be picked up. What did the coin do to repent? So this is not something that can be initiated by the coin. This is not something that can be initiated by the sheep. He was just found and he was received. Um, and then you go on to the familiar, the prodigal son story. Um, and he, there was the man who had two sons. The younger son said, give me my inheritance now. I want it now. And he went out and he squandered it with reckless living. He wasted all of his inheritance until he was in the mire, in the mud, and he was hungry. And he was working, um, caring for somebody's pigs. And then he said, you know, my dad treats his servants better than this. I'm going to go home. And on his way home, so he was hungry. 
And he remembered the goodness of his father's house. And so he decided to go home. But on his way home, his evil conscience started talking to him. You don't deserve to be a son. You had an inheritance. You lost it. You don't deserve. What you should do is go in and say, make me a servant. Just make me a servant. I'll just go in and I'll work for you. He's going to his father and saying, I'll work for you. And I don't need an inheritance. So he has his planned speech in his head. Um, but he went, so it says, when he came to himself, I'll go to my father's house. But the father, when he came, he started his whole speech. The father ran to him and he said, Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. The father completely ignored his whole story, his whole speech. And he said, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For my son that was dead is alive, and he that was lost is found. And they began to celebrate. It's the same party that the that the lady with the coin had. It's the same party that the shepherd had. This is the same party. This one, it was this son was dead, and he's alive. We're going to celebrate. And he didn't strip him of his position as a son. He said, "This is my son." Even though the son was willing to strip himself of the position. That was not anything that brought any pleasure to the father. And he said, we're going to celebrate because my son is home. Now, when the older son was out there still working, the older son said, why are you throwing a party for this boy? And I've been here all this time. I've been working hard. And you won't even kill a skinny goat for me. That's what it says. You won't even give me a scrawny goat. And now you're killing the fatted calf for this squanderous son of yours. And and the father came to him he and he said, now here is his second lost son. He came to him, he said, everything that I have is yours. Why shouldn't we celebrate? And he was inviting him to come in and celebrate. And so repentance happens when God finds you and you um and he rejoices at the feast. He comes, he finds you, and he rejoices over you. With singing, the Bible says. He is so happy to have you. The feast is life more abundant that Jesus promised us. He said, I came that you would have life and have it to the full. Have it more abundantly. And he wants us to eat and be satisfied at his table because he has set a place for us. The prodigal son repentance happened when he remembered the comfort of his father's home. And on his way home, even though he tried to talk himself out of it, his father wouldn't have it. And our father won't have it either. And he wants us to remain who he had made us to be in his eyes. Um, the, he wrote the um, speech in, uh, to manipulate his dad to let him back in. And um, that's what tradition does. When our own sin consciousness gets a hold of us and saying, you know, and you want to make it up to God you know, for something that you did, try to earn your way back in. That's not pleasing to him. Our confidence has to rest on the finished work work of Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes we need to make it right with, with your friend, you know, that you heard and that kind of thing. But before God, your position never changes because he has already chosen to put his love and his blessing on you. And nothing that you could ever do could change that. Dad completely ignored his speech. He ran to him. He embraced him with gladness. And he reaffirmed his his inheritance. And so when you receive that gift of repentance, when you receive the embrace um, and and the celebration that the Father has for him, you're receiving him. 
You're receiving the Father. And so it's not your responsibility to bring these things to God to please Him because God is already pleased. Your repentance is a gift that He gives to us. It goes hand in hand with, um, with our faith in Jesus Christ. And, um, He, let me, let me, see, it says, unless the Lord builds a house, He labor in, in vain that builds it. So when we try to keep bringing these things up to God for ourselves, we are striving to build our own house. We are striving to do these things. And if God is not leading you to do these things, and He's not, He's not leading you to strive. He's leading you into rest. And Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Um, and you'll have rest. You will find rest for your souls. Um, in the message translation, I love it. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life, and I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. And learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting upon you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And so you can't transform yourself, but you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can let yourself be changed. As we behold him, we're transformed from glory to glory. And um, the that's 2 Corinthians 3.17. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And that's what we're all called to. It says, and we all with unveiled face, there's nothing that separates us from the glory of God. As we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of God are being transformed into that same image. So we're being transformed into the glory of God as we behold him from one degree of glory to another. And there's no finish line to that because our God is ever increasing. He's always more glorious. And so we are becoming more and more glorious all, all the time. Uh, we are complete in him. And um, from this, this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. So it's, it kind of, this reminds me of the, of the verse that says that, um, that you are saved by grace through faith and that not of yourself, it's the gift of God. I know that's a cornerstone verse here. And so these things, they come by faith in Jesus Christ. And it's a, but the faith is even a gift. Everything comes by faith, but the faith is a gift too. A repentance happens when you, when you believe in Jesus Christ and it comes as a gift as well and you're changed. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and completer of our faith. And he is the one who makes it perfect. He's the one that makes our faith perfect. So he accepted our shame. So we don't have to be shameful anymore. And so what our responsibility is, is to quit worrying about yourself and join the party and let the Father take care of you. Amen. Amen. Father God, we just bless you. We praise you. We thank you for this word today. We ask that you would cause it to be engrafted in our hearts and bear good fruit that remains, Lord God. And we lay aside every weight and every guilt and every shame that so easily entangles us. And we look at you with open face and we receive the love that you have for us. We receive your transforming power, Lord God. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you lead us into your truth. Lead us to those things that we need, um, those hidden treasures that you have for us, Lord God. We thank you, Father God, that you are good 
and your mercy endures forever. And we thank you that we do not forget any of your benefits today, Lord God. And we ask that you just overwhelm us this week, Father God. We ask that you surround us with your blessing, with your presence, with your favor, Lord God. Thank you for your angels that go before us and go behind us, Lord God. We thank you for keeping us safe from all hurt, harm, and danger. Thank you for keeping us healthy and strong, Lord God, that no infirmity can lay hold of us in Jesus' name. And we just thank you for exceeding and abundant blessing us, Father God. And we thank you that we will see and we will will be able to recognize answers to prayer in our lifetime. In Jesus' name, amen. Blessed be the Lord. Amen.